Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. The book of Ruth has been fantastic. Initially, when the series was introduced to us, I've got to be a little bit honest with you. Uh, he, he, he said, it's kind of like a chick flick. And I'm like, okay, I know, how, I know where this is going. Every once in a while, we have to sit through one of those movies and you just kind of have to have the best attitude, right? You just got to get through it. Well, this movie, this, this story, the story of Ruth, um, what, what I didn't realize, I've read through this story a few times. Many of you have read through this story a few times. Uh, here we are week four and I am completely sucked into the narrative. Like I am locked into this story. It's amazing. This thing set up Easter beautifully. Here I am looking at the story of Naomi and Ruth and I realize I have so much in common. There are so many moments in this story where I'm like, that's exactly what I needed for this moment in my life. It's a beautiful story of God's love for his people, for all of his people. And truly, this is a story of character and trust and obedience. It's a story for those who are especially kind of in a messy kind of life. Matter of fact, today's message is dedicated to uh, those who may be even thinking lately like maybe life sucks. Maybe, maybe life lately has been very difficult. Maybe, maybe you've done horrendous things or maybe horrendous things have been done to you, or, or maybe you come from a family, a dysfunctional family, maybe a family of, of abuse, alcohol abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. Maybe, maybe you come from, from, from bad decision making. Maybe you're, just, you're sitting here today and you know, you're in the fifth, sixth, seventh year of a really bad decision, or maybe you're on the other side of a real bad divorce, or who knows what the mess is, but maybe today you're sitting in the sanctuary today, and maybe you're asking this question, how in the world can something good come from a messy life? You ever ask that question? You ever, you ever been in a place before where you wonder, God, what in the world is happening and how can something good come from this? I want to open with our primary text, Ruth chapter 4. And as you would, uh, as you know, stand to your feet as we read out of God's word this morning. Ruth chapter 4, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. I love this tradition, by the way. I love that we stand up to read out of God's word, the primary text. I don't know. It just kind of highlights what our heart is really all about this morning. We truly believe that God speaks to us through his word. Let's read this together. Ruth chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. Boaz went down to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called 10 leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, you know, Naomi, who came back from Moab, she is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I'm next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. Let's pray. 
God, thank you today for your word. Thank you today for this opportunity we have to gather together with our church family and to worship you, to collectively praise you and to uh, recognize you as the Lord and Savior of our life. And we just thank you, God, for Cedar Valley Church. We thank you for our pastor. We thank you for our leaders, God. And we thank you for this time right now. We commit this time to you. God, speak to us in a way that is so specific, so detailed. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone together said... Amen. You uh, may be seated right there where you um, are this morning. The story of Ruth is really the ultimate um, comeback story. It's a story of a young woman born and raised in a city of absolute darkness. We've gone through what Moab is. And I just want to kind of take a look at Ruth's life for just a moment for the sake of review and just really realize where Ruth comes from. She's born and raised in Moab. This is all she knows. Never in this story do we read of Ruth having a father who would interact with her when she's a young little girl and play with her and tell her how beautiful she is and compliment her. Never do we read of Ruth's mother uh, uh, praying for her, showing her how to have healthy boundaries in her life, praying for her. One of the favorite, one of my favorite things about my mother is that she is a praying woman. I believe in the prayers of my mother for sure. And we don't read that in the story of Ruth. Matter of fact, Ruth just kind of, you know, grew up in this, in this toxic, rebellious culture. And then Elimelech brings his family to Moab and, and she meets this guy. She meets her husband and, and, and a few years later, he's dead. As a matter of fact, we look at Ruth chapter one for the sake of review. Let's, let's look at Ruth chapter one, verse one. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. Now, as you look into the last verse in the book of Judges, it will tell you that Israel was without a king. And so people did whatever was right in their own eyes. So when you read that the judges ruled in Israel, you know this is an absolutely dark time in their history, right? And this is something that they brought upon themselves, their wickedness and sexual immorality. They are in a very dark, dark place. So a man who we know is Elimelech, uh, from Bethlehem, which oddly enough means the house of bread in Judah, left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. I think it's so, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's so weird that he would take his family from one dark place to an even darker place. I mean, when the wheels began to fall off the wagon, Elimelech has this idea, why don't we go to a place that's even worse? You know, just recently, my family and I moved from Colorado to Minnesota. And I knew you were going to feel that, I knew you were going to feel that way. I knew you were going to react that way. In no way am I saying Minnesota is kind of like Moab. That's in Utah. We'll leave that there. But here's what I want to pull from this is that prior to moving to Minnesota, we knew that this decision was a very difficult decision. Because if we come to Minnesota and raise our children in Minnesota, it is likely that our children are going to begin to adapt and take on the culture and the love of the state of Minnesota. There's a good chance my son, who is 12 years old, just might marry one of your daughters. I'm just saying. And in order for that to take place, we'll have to have some serious interviews and make sure that but there's a chance that could take place. Moving to Minnesota 
means we brought our whole family here and we want to invest our lives here and we want to, we want to be a part of, of the church family here. So Elimelech moving to Moab, he's kind of doing the same thing, but he's not thinking. Don't you just kind of want to jump into the story and be like, don't move to Moab. That's a bad decision for your family. That's a bad decision for your kids. Why would you want to go and do that? It's already, you're already in darkness. Why would you move to a place that's even darker? Elimelech, don't do that. Well, we've done some of those things ourselves, right? We've made some, some decisions that didn't bring us, you know, some, some things that, you know, we didn't want to deal with some of these um, consequences that come with making bad decisions. Here, Elimelech is in Moab with his family, and ten, ten years later, we read that they're all gone. The dad is dead, both sons are dead, and now we just have Naomi and Ruth and Orpah. That's it. Naomi is alone. Naomi is poor. Naomi is depressed. Naomi is in a very dark place. And then all of a sudden we see a turn in the story and that is when Naomi makes a decision to end her story in Moab and allow God to rewrite her story. I wonder what that moment looked like. I wonder if she woke up one day, took out her journal and started her soap for that day and just felt like, you know what? Enough is enough. I've had enough. Ten years of utter darkness. This was the worst decision we ever made and it's been ten. You know, sometimes you make a bad decision and you think it will just impact the next month or two. And then you look back and you realize it's been five years. I've been doing this for five years. I've been doing this for seven years. I've been doing this for 10 years. Naomi realizes it's been 10 years. And boy, does she have a Moab story. This is a story of rebellion. It's a story of settling. It's a story of disobedience. It's a story of bad decision-making. She goes from this bright and vibrant Naomi to a very poor and bitter and broken Naomi. And she makes this decision. That's it. I'm going back. My Moab story is over. I get the idea today that there could be some here today who would say, you know what? Today is the day that I make a decision to stop my behavior. I know this doesn't resonate with maybe everybody. But surely there's some people in here today who would say, listen, I have been on, man, the wheels on my wagon have been falling off. It ain't the first wheel, it ain't the second wheel, the third wheel. The wheels on my wagon have been falling off. And today's the day that I want to, to make the decision in my heart first that I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. He's been pursuing me. He's been chasing after me. And I want to surrender my life to Jesus. There comes a time in all of our life when we also have to choose to let God rewrite our story. He's the master of putting together what's been broken, what's been shattered, what's been misplaced. When all hope is lost, when that river that once used to flow has all dried up, Jesus is the one who can come in and begin to piece things back together in your life. And you have to know that, you have to believe it. We see it in this story. You're not too far gone. God can still reach you. He's pursuing you. He's after you. He's knocking on the door of your heart. 
He wants relationship with you. And he can put your messy pieces back together again. We see this all throughout scripture. Time and time again, men and women who are unfit and disqualified and too far gone and just flat out rotten. God uses them. We see this throughout history and we see this even in our own life. God making beauty from ashes. You know, 50 years ago or so, my grandfather um, was, was, was into some bad things. Comes, you know, has a house with lots of alcohol abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. Not into any types of good behavior. And, and one night, you know, some things got out of hand and he was stabbed in his back and There he is laying in a hospital, you know, bed, trying to recover. Situations running through his mind, you know, retaliation. What am I going to do? And then he has a neighbor. A neighbor invites him to church. Says, you should come check out my church, man. There's something for you in this church. Gilbert, come. Come check out my church. And he does. He actually goes and visits his church, just as Neil alluded to. Just a personal invitation. That's all it took for him. Changed his life. He goes to church and he gives his life to Jesus. My dad was 15 years old, 16 years old when this took place. Never stepped foot into a church. Never heard about Jesus. Didn't know anything about faith. Completely living. Hopeless. Darkness. All of a sudden, grandpa comes home. Dad comes home and says, hey, we're going to start going to church. Dad comes home and says, we are going to start going to church. Time out for just a moment. Those of you who have children like I do in youth, they don't have the opportunity to negotiate about church. Do you want to go to church today? What seventh grader is going to say yes? Well, some might. But most might say, I don't know, we're going to church. Dad came home and said, we are going to church. Next thing you know, a few years go by and this family is now in church. My dad is graduating high school, feels a call to the ministry and goes and pursues Bible college. And, 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 and since has been a pastor, his, you know, his whole adult life he's been pastoring. All, all made from one decision. Let me show you a picture a few months ago. Uh, my family went to Michigan. My, there's my grandfather right there. And, you know, he's battling uh, patriot, pad, what is it called? Pancreatic. Pancreatic cancer. And so, you know, we're thinking he's down to maybe, you know, his last days. So we all, and this is just really a small group of, of our cousins and those in the circles, my dad, my daughter, my son, my son, my grandfather, and me. And this picture obviously is not about me because I'm not even looking. He was smiling. That's why this picture. And I think, you know, 50 years ago, this man made a decision to serve Jesus. 50 years ago, he made a decision that it it was done. The abuse was over. He was going to surrender his life to God or he was going to lose his life. And as a result, it impacted his life as a 15, 16-year-old. You know, sometimes we don't consider what what decisions we're making today, the, the, the consequences down the road. And as a result of this 15, 16-year-old son going to church, hearing a preacher talk about the good news, 
how Jesus loves you and cares for you, how he can put the messy pieces back together again, how he can bring brokenness and and make something beautiful out of it. He can do it in your life. He can do it in your home. They believed that and God began to do that work. And then this man got married and had this boy. And then this boy got married and had these children. And now we're all serving Jesus. Jesus is all we know. That, that's kind of like the beauty of this brokenness. But, but really, here's really the beauty of this whole thing is every one of those lives have been impacted because of the decision that one man made in a point in his life when it was so, so, so dark. From a drunk, a mean, abusive man to a man whose heart is so soft and selfless and loves his family Loves Jesus so much. I never knew my grandfather that way. It's hard to even imagine him like that now. We all have a story. We all have a Moab. We also all have a choice. Moab represents the place that we run to when the wheels start to fall off our wagons. It's the place we run to. You know what that place is for you. When the pressure picks up and the stuff hits the fan, when there's more month than there is money, when you're working 40 hours a week, and then you got to go to your next job, and then you got to go to the, to the next responsibility, and you just feel like, when is enough enough? The book of Ruth is an awe-inspiring story of what God can do Through one poor woman who gets right with him. One decision changed this entire story. One decision. One decision. She decides to go back home. She's completely broke, completely helpless, completely alone. She releases her daughter-in-laws and bids them farewell. One of them says, all right, I'll take you at it. Goodbye, I'm going back to my family. Not Ruth. Ruth is also having a moment of her own. Ruth is also sick and tired of what's been taking place in her life. Ruth is also broken, barren, and all alone. And Ruth makes a decision that would forever change her life as well. Here's Ruth's decision. Naomi, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. And your people will be my people and your God will be my God. This was Ruth's turning point. This is the first time in our teaching series where, we, you know, from dark to light, this is the first time to see a ray of light in the story. Like all of a sudden, this story is going to take a turn for the better. You're locked into this movie. You wonder, how much more can I take? This thing is yanking on every string attached to my heart. How much more can I take? Naomi, how much? Uh, Naomi, make a better decision. Ruth, do something about it. And all of a sudden, you start to see a ray of light. Naomi says, I'm going back home. Ruth says, your God will be my God. What's even more amazing about this story, it wasn't even about them. It's really a story about God. And even in your story today, your story is not even about you. It's about God. It's, it's a story of Jesus and his unbelievable, never-ending pursuit and commitment to his people. He's chasing you. He is pursuing you this morning. Even those who would say, I've been serving Jesus for 30 years, 40 years. We sang a song this morning, shake off my traditions, break down these walls. He's still pursuing you. 
He's still pursuing you. He's still trying to refine you. He's still trying to break off traditions. He's still trying to break down the walls of those moments in your life when you were an elementary kid, or maybe you were in youth, or maybe you were an adult and something happened. And and since that moment, it's been in your mind. You can't take it from your mind. It's always there. That whisper's always silencing you. Takes you back to Moab. Takes you back to Moab. It's a story of his never-ending pursuit, love and commitment to his people. The light does shine on Ruth. It shines on Naomi. It shines on Boaz. But it shines brightest on Jesus. This is a story of Jesus and his love for his people. Especially with those who would say, I have quite the mess. I've got a mess in my life. The story is coming to an end. We're now at town gate and Boaz is gathering the movers and the shakers to serve as a witness for this final transaction. Boaz is not first in line to be the family redeemer. There's somebody else in line and Boaz, Boaz, although his heart is ready to make this transaction, he's ready to, to, to move forward in this story. He knows that he has somebody in front of him and so he gathers everybody and this man, says, I'll redeem it. And then Boaz goes on to make sure he understands. Just so you know, you get the rights to Naomi, her property and to Ruth. Like this is, a, this is everything you get when you say yes to this. And that man, this was his response. He said, oh, I can't do that. I jeopardize my own family's inheritance. You go ahead and buy it. You can have my rights. I can't do it. Last week we learned that Jesus was qualified He was willing and he was able. In this part, this man was not willing to do it. So Boaz, this is where the story starts. This is where you start to have tears come down your face and you realize they're actually going to end up together. Like, for a moment there, I thought this dude who don't even have a name was going to was going to end up with Ruth and ruin this entire story. Like, why would it do that? They end up together. Boaz gets to the place where he tells those, Ruth chapter four, verse 13 and 14. Let me read this to you. It says, so Boaz took Ruth into his home. She became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. She gave birth to a son. Then the woman of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. Man, the story comes now to completion. We see God work, a beautiful work in Ruth, but it, but it gets even better. It gets even better. Boaz chose to do things the right way. He chose to do things with honor. He goes before these witnesses and these witnesses bless him. You read that these witnesses bless Boaz and bless Ruth at the town gate, makes it public. And I want you to know that this morning, Jesus is pursuing your heart. He's chasing after you. He's madly in love with you. He's been patient with you. 
He's been longing for you. There's a reason why someone continues to invite you. And I get it. There's people here today who who were followers of Jesus. We've been doing this. That's where our heart is. But I know that there's others who are here today and you say, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but you know, you know, we're glad you're here. Welcome to the conversation for sure. But I want you to know Jesus loves you. And, And a big reason why you feel like you can't take the next step is because you feel like you just have too many messy pieces. You just feel like you've done too much or there's been too much done to you in your life that why would God ever wanna do something with someone like me? Why would God ever wanna use somebody like me when he can use somebody else? Why, you know, God can just use somebody else. He doesn't need someone like me, someone who stinks, someone who's messy. You look at the worship team and you think, God, they're all put together. They all look so good. They all must have perfect stories. You're wrong. These are men and women who have messy lives that God has begun to put back together again. Can I tell you what the big so what is? And Neil always says, if you've been asleep, time to wake up. This is what the service was all about. God makes masterpieces out of our messy pieces. Do you believe that? No, truly, do you believe that? Some of you believe it because that's been the story of your life because you've seen it happen in your own life. You've seen it happen with your children. You've seen it happen in your parents. You've seen it happen in your grandparents. That's what this house is all about, my friends. This is not a museum. This is a hospital. This is a place where sick people come in and they're miraculously healed by Jesus Christ. They're living testimonies all throughout this place of God's goodness, of his ability to put messy pieces back together again. And now we see this about Ruth. Check this out. The same field she used to glean in, she's now the owner of. (laughs) Pretty amazing, right? Pretty amazing what God is doing in Ruth. And then we get to the best part of the story. And that is in the last few scriptures of Ruth chapter four, verse 22. And I didn't know this. And I guess Pastor Neil, we we had a great conversation. I didn't realize that there was some Spanish blood in the line of Jesus. Perez, that ain't a white name. Perez. Y'all know Perez's mom She's also in this lineage. She doesn't belong in the lineage. She actually dressed up like a prostitute, tricked her father-in-law, got pregnant. Her son's name, Pettis. Pettis was the father of Hezron. That's where it goes back off of Spanish. That's Scandinavian or something. Hezron was the father of Ram. I don't know. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. 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 Sounds good for lunch today. Salmon was the father of Boaz. So far, so good. Boaz was the father of who's Obed's mother? Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of, and everybody reading that would know that's Jesus. That's Jesus's lineage. Jesus came from the line of David. And all of a sudden you see that Ruth is inserted into the lineage of Jesus. 
dirty linen hangs on the Messiah's family tree. They have no business whatsoever being in this lineage, yet they are. Because that's what God does when you give him the pen and the paper to rewrite your story. Can I tell you this this morning? God rewrites our story when we relinquish ours. And I don't know what part of the story you're in today, in your own life, but you do. Maybe today you would say, it's not the end of my story, but maybe this chapter in my story needs to come to an end today. I can no longer live this way. We see that decision when Naomi got to her place. We see that decision when Ruth got to her place. I saw that decision in my grandfather's life when he got to his place. And maybe you're here today and you would say, it's my turn. I need to experience a miracle from God himself. I need to be completely healed. I need to be restored. I need to be redeemed. God, I need you to take this from me. I want to surrender this to you. So here's how we're going to respond this morning. Our big now what? We're going to bring our messy pieces to God because we have them. As you sit there, I'd like for you to just maybe close your eyes for a moment and consider your life. Consider where you are in life. Think back to that moment when you were broken. Think back to those moments where there was some significant brokenness in your life. And it's been with you ever since. You've been just tolerating that pain, learning to walk with a limp. Today, I want you to know God says to you, I'm the master of putting together what's been broken. I spoke you into existence. I designed you. I know how to put you back together again. I just need you to surrender that to me. I just need you to surrender your story so that I can rewrite your story. I can make something beautiful out of your life. You're not too far gone. I love you so much. My love for you is endless. I want to walk with you through your mess. I want to rebuild you. I want to restore you. I want to heal you. I want to bring truth into your heart. You saw me do it in them and I can do it in you. I can do it in your marriage. I can do it for your children. I can do it for your parents. I can do it for your neighbor. I can do it for your family member. I can do this work if you'll just relinquish your story and allow me to rewrite your story.